Welcome to the New Grace Sermon Podcast. Our church exists so people experience new life in Christ. We invite you to connect with us on social media at newgrace.cc, on Facebook and Instagram. For more information about our church or to support us financially, visit newgrace.cc. Get your Bible. Open it in two places. Go to Matthew 24, where we were last week. And then I want you to take your finger and I want you to go to the Old Testament in the first book. And I want you to go to Genesis in chapter 6. And I want you to put a finger there. And Lord willing, we'll get there together this morning. We appreciate the 9 o'clock worship gathering. Pastor Jeff brought the word and God moved and helped us at 9 o'clock. And we're looking forward to doing the same thing here again at 11 if you remember, and whether or not you were here last week, it doesn't matter. This is not a sequel. This is not a series. This is just where the Lord just took us back again this Sunday into the same chapter of the book of Matthew where Jesus has been asked the question, what's the, what is the sign that the time of this age is ending? What is the sign that you're coming back to establish your messianic kingdom? And so Jesus begins to go through a series of events where he talks about persecution. He talks about the environment and the events that unfold leading up to the end times uh, that we would call the beginning of sorrows or birth pains. Jesus gets into the framework of what you and I would call the tribulation or the great tribulation. And then he tells us what these signs are concerning his coming. And here's something, here's something that's interesting. Jesus tells them Blatantly, you're not going to know the hour that the Son of Man returns. But what he does in the entirety of this chapter, although he tells us we don't know the hour, he does tell us that we will know the season. And so much around what Jesus is actually constructing here is the observations we'll have concerning the sign of the times, hence the seasons. And when you read Matthew 24, you realize, oh my, we are in the season of the last days. We are in the season of the end times. And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 24, look at verse 36 with me. But of that day and hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. I want you to look at verse 37 right here. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. I want to preach this morning briefly on this thought, the days of Noah. I want to talk to you about the days of Noah. Thank you, Jared. Look at verse 37 again. But as the days of Noah were, I want you to make the connection that Jesus has established. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Jesus makes it very clear, and he makes it undeniable. There's a comparison. Like it was 
in Noah's day, so it will be in the end times at the coming of the Son of Man. He was saying, if you want to know how it will be when I return, then you need to take a look at the days of Noah. Now, the audience that Jesus was speaking to that was primarily Jewish already had the proper worldwide view of God's Word and history. They don't need all the context that you and I require because they don't have a filter that Americanizes the text. But what we've got to do is put ourselves in the shoes of those there and remind ourselves that when Jesus said, like it was in Noah's day, it will be when I return, they knew full well the scope and the specificity in which he spoke. In fact, if you go to the antediluvian age that was prior to the flood, and you look at, now I believe Genesis 5 is more or less of a genealogy. When you get to Genesis 6, you start reading some, I mean, you start reading some crazy Hollywood level stuff. I mean, you start reading a, a storyline and a context that DC Comics and Marvel has not even yet scratched the surface of. For he says in Genesis chapter 6, and I'm just going to quickly touch this, uh, for another time we'll expand this. In fact, those who take my discipleship class already are privy to what I could be saying right here, because at the end of our discipleship class, we have a Q&A. And my God, some of the questions that I am asked in that class when I open up the floor and the answers they get will make your, your brain bleed. I've been asked about this particular subject. And in Genesis chapter 6, we see something unfold that is very contrary to our Americanized theology of the Bible. For the Bible says that God has these celestial entities called the sons of God. We would classify them in the angelic realm. The sons of God that God has divided the nations to for their governing and oversight. The Bible says that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, lusted after them, and came down from above, and then took, and you and I may actually use the word abduct. They took the wives unto themselves and the Bible teaches and tells us that in those days, the sons of God who entered in and slept with and made matrimony with the daughters of men created a hybrid race called the Nephilim. This is where the giants came from. And the Bible says in Genesis 6 that there were giants in those days, comma, and afterward, which we see later when Israel goes into the conquest of Canaan land. All of this was happening, and what it was was a precursor. I want you to see this. It was a precursor that Satan had an agenda to hijack the human race. When the Bible says that Noah was perfect in his day or in his generations, they are, they are talking about his genetic code has not yet been blemished by the Nephilim gene. See, Satan remembered the first prophecy and the first promise in the Bible. It was made to the woman. 
concerning her and the serpent. There will be enmity and hostility between your seed and his seed. And his seed is going to bruise your heel, speaking of how Christ would be crucified and killed. But your seed, the Christ, the Messiah, will crush his head. Partly that has happened when Jesus rose from the dead, and the other half of that is going to happen when Jesus returns and annihilates the Antichrist, what is the full embodiment of Satan. Are you still with me this morning? Somebody say amen. amen. See, Satan was trying to hijack the human race. That was happening in Noah's day. Interesting, Jesus said, the way it was in Noah's day, there's going to be an incursion. We already know this in Revelation. We already know this, that when, 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 when God starts popping the top on vials of judgment, we already know there's going to be an angelic incursion that comes, not only from above, but from beneath. That day was marked by depravity, God objecting and God dismissing societies filled the entire earth with violence. Sexual escapades ran rampant between the cultures and the communities. And, and we see a pornographic society that was marked by murder, vileness, and darkness. And here, watch this, watch this. Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days that I come. People make crazy statements. They're like, you know, it's never been this bad in the world. Uh, ho hold up, hold up. Yes, it has. In fact, Based on what I just told you in Genesis chapter 6, just the few, first few verses, it's, it was worse then than it is right now. And if Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, it will be before I come back, what does that tell you about the landscape of where our world is going? And that's why Hollywood is conditioning us. Every other movie is demonic. Every other movie is about some foreign character coming from another planet, having an intimate relationship with a human being. They're just getting us conditioned so that when the crazy abnormal starts happening, we'll say, well, that, that's kind of normal. 30 years ago, it would have blown our forefathers into smithereens mentally. And now, now we're so used to it and information is, is, is accelerating so quickly. Do you see what Jesus is saying here? And he says this, he says this in verse 38, for as it was in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. Check this out. They are oblivious. They are ignorant of what's coming. Does that not look like the world we live in? I used to have a little tag frame on my truck. This said, warning, in case of rapture, this vehicle will be unmanned. But now I see bumper stickers that say, I can't wait for the rapture so I can finally have this planet to ourselves. You know what? Let me tell you something. The world after Jesus takes the church out of here, Eternity and hell itself will be exactly what the atheist wants, a world without God. You'll get it. The afterlife, eternity, is something you choose in this life. You want a world without God? You'll get it. 
Jesus tells us they were oblivious until the flood came. Now, I want you to see this again in verse 38. For in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving a marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. I, I think it's interesting that Jesus don't mention any of that stuff about the sons of God and the daughters of men. Jesus doesn't talk about how violence characterized the earth. He doesn't talk about the, the pornographic society. He, he just simply goes, like Jesus is hating on food and drink and marrying and living it up. Like what does Jesus have against all that? It's not that Jesus is pointing out some gross debauchery in humanity. He's simply saying, oh, no, no, no. See, the number one characteristic that I want you to notice is that everybody is so caught up with themselves. Everybody's so, I said it last week, everybody's so caught up with business as usual, living their life. They are living their life, and they are living their life in oblivion to what is coming. The world was highlighted by humanism and materialism. Nobody had any time for God. Nobody had any thought of God. Hey, even, listen, I see this characterized even in the church right now. The church as a whole, the church as a whole, especially in America. Buddy, we are so in love with ourselves. We're in love with the mirror and we're in love with the black mirror. We are obsessed Think about how many, how, many, how many hours in your day is absorbed into this supercomputer that holds you. Not that you hold, that holds you. Think of, think of the schedule. Think of how crazy. Do you remember back when church used to have Sunday night services? And when we planned our calendars, we never let anything get in the way of Sunday night because, bless God, we were going to be at church. Remember when our communities used to honor Wednesday nights as a time of midweek gathering? And for some of us, that used to be, that used to be, we used to be planted in that kind of culture and lifestyle. But it's been so long since we even thought about God on a Wednesday night because we have rec fields to go to. And that we, it never even crosses our minds sometimes that, oh yeah, what about God? He says, this will be the number one thing I want you to look at in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. It's just going to be business as usual. And I'm going to tell you something about our Lord. He is not going to compete with that kind of stuff. He's not going to do it. God's a gentleman. The Holy Spirit is gentle and tender, and he's not going to twist your arm and force you into any kind of submission. He woos you. He draws you. He persuades you. He convicts you and hope to correct you. Look at this. Verse 39. They knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. They were living in oblivion to the person and the presence of God. Here is this crazy madman building a boat, talking about it's going to rain. Y'all, it ain't ever rained in the history of humanity at this point. Do you not remember the pattern set forth in the establishment of creation that all the earth, all the earth was watered from the mist that came up from the ground? It ain't ever rained. And so you got a madman building a boat saying, it's gonna rain. It's gonna rain. Noah, Noah reminds me of the 
the lunatic that, 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 that stands on the street corner wearing an A-frame sandwich sign screaming into a bullhorn. Everybody wants to call him crazy, but in the end, we're going to realize he was right. It was going to rain. It is going to rain. And it says that they didn't know that he was right. And they didn't know God was for real. And they didn't know that the word of God was true until the flood came. See, oftentimes, I used to think about it like this. Noah was in the process of building this boat with his boys. And in my mind, Noah, he daubed the last little smudge of pitch in between that gopher wood. Brushed his hands, put his hands on his hips, looked up, and God let him feel the first raindrop. But the more I think about how God has set the world apart for judgment and set the church up in grace, rain represented judgment. So I don't think God let Noah feel one drop. I think Noah went into that ark. And what it say? When he went in the ark, God shut the door. And I bet everybody's like, that dude is a fool. Look at him. <laughs> he, like, he built the boat. He's, he shut the door. It ain't raining, fool. You look like an idiot. We told you you were crazy. You and your crazy kids and your crazy wife, y'all crazy. But could it be the very mouths that mocked the man of God were the ones that were stopped when the heavens opened and the rain fell and they thought, wait, wait a second, is that rain? The storm clouds dark blotting out the face of the sun and the downpour and the drenching monsoons of rain began to come. But I'm going to tell you when the horror really unfolded for humanity. It was the moment God decided to enact everything that was going on beneath the surface of the earth. And all of a sudden, the ground began to swell. The tectonic plates began to shift. Earthquakes in diverse places began to happen. And all of a sudden, water began to erupt up from beneath the earth. It's coming down from the heaven. It's coming up from beneath. And God is taking his hand of sovereignty and he is moving across the oceans. The earth has been filled with water and he is moving it across the oceans and tsunamis and tidal waves 250 feet high are coming crashing into humanity and mothers are shrieking in fear and horror and daddies are trying to pick their children up and elevate them as the water swiftly rises above to their face. Can you imagine the awful horror as it was in the days of Noah? so it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. They're all going to lose their minds when it starts coming down. But if you're paying attention to the text and you're letting the text present and preach itself, you'll find something that does not need to be overlooked. Because it says all of this happening in the days of Noah mirrors the coming of Jesus. Watch this. In verse 39, I want you to see this little nugget. The Bible, in verse 38, I'm sorry. Until All this happened until the day, look at the phrasing right here, ladies and gentlemen, watch this. Until the day that Noah entered into 
the ark. Noah entered into the ark. And the Genesis account tells us that he had his three sons, their three wives, and his wife. Eight people aboard this vessel with two of every unclean animal and seven of every clean animal. They are aboard this vessel when the water begins to come. I want you to see this. God had a little remnant, a minority among the majority that was safe, secure, aboard this boat. And this brings a beautiful correlation to not just something that happened in the days of Noah, but something that's going to happen prior to the coming of Jesus. What is he trying to show us? What is he portraying? What is he painting right here? He is showing us in the same way there was a small group that was rescued from the wrath to come in the days of my coming. There will be a small group separated from the midst of the world that will be reserved and rescued from the judgment that is coming. Now, I don't know about you, but that'll make a Presbyterian want to shout. That, 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 will, that will stir someone who knows they're getting on board the boat. Someone who knows they're going to miss the rain. Someone who's going to rise above the flood. But this doesn't, listen, listen, listen. You can't just go to the days of Noah without really walking through the story of Noah. Because if you go back to Genesis, everybody go back to Genesis. If you go back to Genesis, you begin to connect the dots that Jesus was connecting. Look at verse 13 of chapter six. God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark and shall pitch it within and without with pitch. Verse 18. But with thee will I establish my covenant and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. If you're taking notes with the preacher this morning, I want you to write this down. One thing we see in the days of Noah that we will see again in the coming of the Son of Man Despite all that was happening with the flood, the rain, and society, write this down, somebody was listening. Somebody was listening. The very people that would eventually be on board the boat were the same people that were listening to everything that God said. They didn't just hear the warning of God. They listened to the warning of God. And I wrote this down, the listening and the believing, mark it down, it will be a small minority. The listening and the believing will be a very small percentage of people on this planet. I, 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 I think that God, in the issuing of this warning and in the invitation to Noah, do, do you wanna help me build something, Noah? Do you wanna be a part of what I'm gonna do? Because I'm laying it out on the table for you, son. If you want to venture into this with me, I, I'm not just going to bless you. I'm going to bless your wife. I'm going to bless your kids. I'm going to bless your kids' wives. And I'm going to bless your grandchildren. In fact, I want to use you to do something that's going to change the course of all humanity. And, and here's, here's the deal. Noah got his act together and God had Noah's attention. Can I ask you a question? Does God have your attention? What is it going to take 
for God to get your attention. What is it going to take? Here's my, here's my thought. Why is the word of God not enough? Why is the warning of God not enough? Why does it have to be the world going to hell in a handbasket for us to wake up? Why has it got to be for these things happening for us to start opening up our ears? I wrote this down. God told me to tell you this. The world is deaf. It cannot hear God and it will not hear God. And God is looking for a remnant among this generation that is going to perk up, look up, and listen up. If you believe that this morning, somebody help me give God some praise. Like the few in Noah's day, the ones that actually made it on the boat, are you listening? Oh, wait, what are you listening to? Because the voices that you listen to will determine the rest of your life. What are you listening to? Oh, no, I'm, I'm listening. I'm listening. I, I've been listening to Sean Hannity. I'm, I'm listening. I've been, I've been checking them all just in case. CNN, Fox News, News Nation, Alibaba Nation. I've been checking all of it. Pretty sure I've been checking all. You're listening on the wrong frequency. I am not worried about following every deadbeat commentator and anchor standing in front of a camera holding a microphone when I've already got the final authority, the instruction manual, and the roadmap on how things are going to end up. Maybe you need to change frequencies because what we see, listen to this, what we see in the coming of the Son of Man is there will be somebody listening. My question to you, New Grace, are you listening? Because if you are, I believe you will meet the next characteristic that Jesus lays out. Look at Genesis 6.22. Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Look at that again with me. Thus did Noah. Man, where is that in 2023? Where is that in the church of the living God? Hey, Noah, do I got your attention? Okay, Secondly, do I have your allegiance? Okay, I do. All right. Now I need you to take some action. Here's what I need you to do. Here's the blueprints. Here's the instructions. Verse 22, thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. Not only was somebody listening, write this down. Somebody was laboring. Labor, 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 labor. Some people treat that like a cuss word in church. Labor. Somebody was laboring. See, he got the invitation, he got the instruction, and then he started work. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen? The plan of God for Noah's life, the plan of God for Noah's family, mirrors the same plan of God for our church and for every person in this room that says they're a believer in Jesus Christ. We have labor, we have work, we have a project to do. Noah and everybody that would ride on board labored until they got on board. One of the, here we go, one of the telltale signs that you're actually gonna end up on board is that you are laboring before you get on board. Isn't it interesting that all the people that had nothing to do with building this God-sized project were the ones that actually missed the undocking of the ship? Somebody was laboring. I, I wrote this down. See, when you're a part of a church, 
It allows you to join in on the labor of building something for God. Y'all, I did not know how to build something for God. Becoming a Christian 18 years old, only thing I knew how to build was Legos and a stack of pancakes. I didn't know how to build anything for God. But wasn't it wonderful that God didn't just give me a copy of his word, but he plugged me into the church and the church became my way of joining into the project of building something for God. And guess what? I got to be a part of building something that was going to change other people's lives. It changed mine. The church changed my life. The church, listen to me, it didn't take me long to realize them people ain't perfect. It didn't take me realize that some of them grand, it didn't take me long to realize some of them granny women, they be in competition in the cook-off with the casserole. Didn't take me long to realize that they talk about each other. It didn't take me long to realize that some of those men could get filled up with the devil just like they got filled up with the spirit. Didn't take me long to realize that everybody puts their best foot forward and they got that plastic God grin on their face when they come to church on Sunday. But I listen to me. I don't I don't dismiss I don't dismiss the benefit of the tree over a few bad apples. And I got tested with church hurt too. Yeah, I ran that whole, that fallacy. I did it too. Like you ain't coming to a church where the preachers don't know about church hurt. They know what kind of lie church hurt is. At the end of the day, it's a lie. It's an excuse. And a lot of people around here are going to die and go to hell or heaven believing in the validity of something called church hurt. And there ain't none. God, you'll get to heaven, stand in front of God. He's going to say, shut up. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that because guess what? Something, something could happen to you in the church and those people that did that are immediately responsible. But there comes a certain point in the timeline where you now take responsibility for your reaction to what happened to you. You are not responsible for what happens to you, but you are responsible for how you happen to what happened to you. And it didn't take me long to realize, man, that church is imperfect. But you know what? God is perfect, and his church is the medium and the means in which he allows you and I to be a part of what he's doing. And so Noah, Noah here is now working, and Noah is laboring. And let me say this, just like Noah and his family, prior to the flood coming, it mirrors me and you, prior to Jesus coming, prior to judgment coming, we got to work, but look, we got to know what we're working with. We got to know that we are working with a team. Everybody say team. Everybody say team. One more time, like you love the person sitting next to you, everybody say team. Some of y'all just lied, but it's okay. God blessed it. Jesus didn't build a church. No, no, I know Jesus built a church, but Jesus didn't build a church. Jesus spent three and a half years building a team. And the team was the means in which he built a church. I I figured, heck, if it takes Jesus three and a half years to build a team, it's going to take me at least 10 I mean, sometimes I get real hard on myself because I'm like, where's everybody at? 
Like, look, 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 I get it, man. I know we bounce around like crazy and we're like one of them churches like, hey, if you can find us, come join us, right? But there's times I'm like, where's everybody at? Because if everybody that ever walked in the doors, watch, everybody that walked in the doors and liked it was still here, we'd have seven services a day. I mean, I've seen this thing at its peak in two services at the shopping center, and then COVID happened, and then we come back real strong, and I almost died, and we come back real strong, and we got kicked out, we went, and we were in preserve mode on Sunday nights, and then we come up here and lost half our people because they all from down there, and now we're going back down there, and we're staying up here, we're doing all this crazy stuff, and I'm wondering, at what point am I going to lose something more than my hair? <laughs> but it hits me, you know what? Those people didn't need to stay. Because God was building a team that would build the ark. Noah wasn't a one-man show. He had old Shem and Ham and Japheth. I don't know who names their kid Ham. I hope he wasn't husky because God knows he got teased while he was working. But God was building a team. Do you know, do you know what God did to you? He sent you prior to the coming, prior to the judgment to be a part of a team that's going to build a boat that when the judgment comes is going to float. If, if you're with me, just nod your head. If you're with me, just nod your head. You know, where I'm, you know where I'm going. Nod your head with me. He gave Noah time. I don't want to get up here and regurgitate and recycle everything that I've always said about time, but it's very precious. It's very valuable. And you know what? God gave you and I like he gave Noah time. Well, he gave Noah a lot of time. It took Noah 120 years to build the ark. 120 years of hearing mocking and joking and criticizing and ridiculing, and he just kept working. Why? Because the word and the warning of God rang louder in his spirit than any critique or interpretation he received from naysayers. Noah was working in the grind. He was working without really knowing how things were going to end up. He was struggling through the adversity. And here's it, here it is. He's only working with the instructions God gave him. How frustrating. I'll say it for you. Don't worry. How frustrating. Noah, I want you to build this boat. Here's the blueprints. Fix your eyes on all of creation. God doesn't make boats. He makes trees. God doesn't make tables. He makes trees. God gives you everything you need. Woo, I'm preaching to myself right now. God gives you everything you need to do everything he called you to do. My God, I, I need, I'm gonna need somebody to help me right there because there's some times where I'm tugging on my heavenly father's sleeve saying, are, are you aware of what's going on? Do you know where we've been? Do you know what's in our heart to do? Do you know what we need to do 
what you want us to do? And he's like, don't you think that I ask you to do these things in faith? If I always tell you everything ahead of time and I ever give you everything in the finished form and the final draft, you're never gonna need faith. I, I find it funny that it is my needs that keep me coming to God in prayer. Maybe God wants us living on incomplete because that way we lean on what he has in his hand. If you believe that, somebody give him praise. Know what you're working with. Know what you're working for. Let me help you. Let me help you. You like this? Does it feed your soul? Does it bless you? You watch what God's doing here and you're like, I want to be a part of this. Don't ever lose the why of what you do. Know what you're working for. Noah labored, listen to me, Noah labored because he was convinced it was going to rain. I am so convinced that it's going to happen exactly like Jesus said. I'm so convinced that he's going to come. I'm so convinced that the rain is going to fall. I'm so convinced that all that's going to happen that I've been looking for rapture pet insurance on my dog. I look at my dogs. I, I done fallen in love with this dog. I look at my dog and I'm like, what are you going to do? Champion, what are you going to do when we leave? What are you going to do? You're going to be here. And then my flesh was like, don't get too aggressive with that evangelism. Somebody in the neighborhood is going to have to be here to take care of that dog. <laughs> I know I'm not right in the head. Pray for me. Pray for me. Intercede for the man of God. No, I'm dead serious. I actually looked it up. I looked it up. I said, I'm just curious. I want to know. Somebody out there going to shake their fist in God's face. With the other hand, they could be petting my dog. See, some of y'all can't stomach or handle this kind of realness. <laughs> Noah was so convinced it was going to rain. And Noah was so convinced it was going to rain that he had his family in mind while he built the God Project. My God, if you don't labor or you don't work for anything or anybody else, do it for your household. Do it for your loved ones. Do it for your children and your children's children. We, we need a tenacity that sticks to it. Listen to me, listen to me. Let me preach for a second. I'm not talking about this Johnny come lately, this in and out. I want a cushion on my cross Christianity. I mean, roll your sleeves up. Understand that we are in the fight of our life. And like soldiers on the battlefield, we have got to stand our ground. We've got to stay busy. And we've got work to do. Noah was convinced while laboring what he was building was going to make a difference. Here's a thought. What Noah did made a difference in this room. Noah 
didn't even live long enough to see the full fruit of his own legacy. We labor. We work. We come and we stay. And we pray and we serve and we give. Because we believe it's going to rain. We believe this boat's got to get built. We believe it's going to matter to our family. We believe it's going to matter to our friends. And we believe in the long run, in the end, it's going to make a difference. If you believe that this morning, let's give him praise in the house. Come on. I think think if we're honest, at times we get tired of the labor. I I had an unspiritual thought in between services. I thought, heck, what if it took Noah 120 years to build it because he needed a lot of time off? Maybe he had days where the boys could just tell when he showed up to the construction site. Oh, God, Dad's in one of them moods today. Get ready. Be on your, be on your toes, boy. Be on your toes. We'll be dodging hammers and watching out. He'll be slinging buckets of pitch and, you know, splintering wood off and cussing mad trying to serve God today. <laughs> Spirit-filled and mad as the devil. Frustrated. Tired. Anybody's body tired? Nobody gave me a disclosure or a disclaimer at 25 that at 40, crap would just stop working. <laughs> that, you, that, you, that the alarm would go off and you would, you would awaken inside with a passion and a bubbling desire to go be pleasing to the Lord and your body would be like, Nope. Your hips would be like, stay right here. Your lower back would be like, we ain't moving for nothing or nobody. You walk down the, you walk down the hall smelling and sounding like Orville Redenbacher, popping and clicking and making all kind of noise. Go eat breakfast and you ready to go to the cabin up there at the office and counsel people and visualize with Pastor Jeff and Pastor JJ and Miss Joe and Nikki and Jessica and get all this stuff in place and you walking out the door and that coffee goes, nope. I'm going to be late, y'all. I'll be late. I'll be late. I'll be there. Start without me. My body is tired. But let me tell you something that hits different than being tired is when you're weary. See, tired is physical. Weary is spiritual. Tired is felt in your body. Weary is felt in your spirit. And let me tell you something. When you got tired and weary working on the same day, that's a bad combination. Man, sometimes building this boat, I get weary. I get weary and I'm always, I'm always trying to figure out of the three voices, which one to listen to. I got one over here that's saying, don't nobody care. You ain't making a difference. 
those people ain't sheep. They are wolves. And the moment you go, the moment you do something they don't like, they're going to snarl and turn on you and bite the hand that feeds them. You know this is all going to fall out from under you. You know that you can't keep doing this. You know it's going to wear you down and wear you out. You know, you might, you go ahead and admit it. Go ahead and admit it. You depressed. Go ahead and admit it. You're sad. You're heavy. And then I got, and then I got this mind right here. This voice is me. It's my head going, I'm never going to be able to retire. We're always going to keep walking up the same hill and sliding back down. And now, and my mind says, now they eventually, now, now they eventually not trusting you. Now that, now they're questioning what's happening. They question where you're going and they question what God's doing. They, they don't even know if God's anymore. And you know what? You ain't the only one tired and you ain't the only one weary. They are too. Most of your congregations just strapped in for the ride. Like a Georgia cyclone just strapped in for the ride. I'm wondering, do we ever get to, do we ever get a break? Can I go get a corn dog? Can I t- can I can I get, can I sit in the shade? Can can I can can you stop this freaking ride? And you just get weary. You done the math on how much gas costs us costing you coming this far? I know you have. If you're tithing, you probably budgeted your money. If you tithe, you, you budget your money so you know what it's costing you. And you're like, God, I was tithing. I was giving God 10% of my income. I was giving him the first fruits of my income, my increase. Like the pro- I was doing what the Bible says. But now, I'm, now gas is costing this much more. And now these, now these folk, these, these fools want us to bring casseroles when we come up here to hang out. And you can't, look, you can't go buy crap down at Ingalls to make a casserole without spending 40 or 50 bucks. Am I right? And you're weary. You're tired. And I wonder, I wonder if Noah heard the same thing that we hear. I don't know if I can keep doing this. But I guarantee you, Noah could never unhear the sound of rain. He could never, every time there was a cloud in the sky, I'm sure he wondered, is it coming? Is today the day? See, come on, Jared, help me close. You've done a good job this morning, son. We appreciate you. Somebody was listening. Say listening. Somebody was laboring. Say laboring. But if you follow the storyline of Noah, as it was in his day, so it will be in the days where Jesus returns. Somebody wasn't just listening. Somebody wasn't just laboring. Check this out. Write this down. Somebody was leaving. (laughs) Somebody was leaving. Because the Bible teaches and tells us in the book of Genesis that when the flood came down, Everybody in the ark went up. I find it real fitting that when God invited Noah to build this boat, the Bible says that Noah found grace. Everybody say grace. Grace. 
He found grace. Everybody say grace. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Isn't it funny that grace became embodied in the form of a boat? <laughs> the ark beautifully illustrates the grace of God, the salvation of the crew. Watch this. It shows us that when the judgment comes down, everybody in grace, oh, you ain't hearing me this morning. You ain't hearing me. When the rains of God's wrath come down, everybody, I wonder if Noah was a nautical-minded man and he named his boat Grace. Everybody in grace. <laughs> That's why I'm not nervous. I'm not worried. I'm sitting there last night before I go to bed, filling my head with, with, with rubbish, watching this video about the end times, who the Antichrist could be and what the mark of the beast could actually be. And I'm like, I don't know really how I'm supposed to have good dreams tonight. I woke up in the middle of the night the other night fighting my dog. I'm sitting there filling my head with this stuff. And I turned my phone off and I put it down and I was like, it don't matter. It don't matter. You know, you can split hairs with just about anybody over how it's all going to go down. I ain't even worried about how it's going down because I know I'm going up. Are you a, are you a, are you a pre-millennialist? Are you a post-millennialist? I'm a pan-millennialist. I believe it's going to pan out one way or another. You pre-trib, you mid-trib, you post-trib. I'm a pan-trib. It's going to pan out one way or another. I know that he's coming back. I know that I know that I know that I know that I know. I know that the Jesus that I serve, he will return to get his bride. I know that the rain is coming, but I know, bless God, according to his word and promise, because I am safe and secure in the grace of his goodness, I know that I'll never feel one raindrop. I know that I'll never see my babies drown. I know that when the wrath comes down, the ark of his grace, it's going up. Are you listening? Are you laboring? Don't, God, don't stop now. Don't stop working now. Don't stop coming. Don't stop serving. Don't stop giving. My God, son, if you're ever going to wake up and smell the roses, it's right now. If you were ever going to get in and be a part of what God's doing right here at New Grace, help me build this boat. I'll leave you with this, 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Paul's admonition to the believers. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know, good and not a lot, this is good. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcatcher. New episodes are posted each week on Tuesday.